But even that's gone to a whole new level when they understand that they're on a camera. Like, that changes things, and it's very vulnerable, and you guys are just doing a great job, so thanks for the way you continually serve us with those gifts. It's awesome. Um, here we are. That's great, yeah. Great to be back, week three of our conversations. Uh, if you've been joining us over the last couple of weeks, you would have picked up that the, the idea of discipleship. Uh, we touched on this last week, that we are disciples who make disciples, and that is the purpose of the church in the world. And so we want to pay attention to that. And in the, and a week before that, we looked at the idea of how, if we can be others-focused as a church, so not only others-focused amongst one another, but others-focused in our world, um, then we will be disciples making disciples. And so all this links together, and where we want to go today is the idea that the home, we believe, is the primary uh, venue for discipleship. The home. And we want to unpack that today. This is another one of those key uh, convictions that have risen to the surface for us as we've been just engaging in conversation with God and prayerfully uh, talking through this for, for months now, months and months. Um, and this is, again, one of the things that has risen to the surface, that the home is the primary domain of discipleship. And we want to unpack that a little bit uh, today for you. Um, but if you look behind me and you see our focus for 2020, a focus that God gave to us in about probably August, September last year, when we'd never heard of COVID-19, we, we didn't know what this year was going to look like, and God gave us this focus. Um, there, there's been something in that that he's been doing in us and through us to prepare us, I think, for where he's taking us. So, Kev, do you want to just unpack a little bit about what that's looked like to sit in that focus for 2020 and some of the convictions out of that? Yeah, I mean, we never knew, did we, how significant that was going to be and will be ongoing for us. Um, it, it's a profound word, it's a prophetic word, it will shape how we do things. And, and for us, it's exactly what happened. Like, that, that's been in front of us, duh, and then we're going, oh, we're really thinking that home might be the primary place. It's like God's going, come on, guys, get on board, check out the focus that I gave you for the year. Um, and it, it did that for me. For me personally, it like, I've always obviously thought that what happens in the home is important. But it just seemed to rise like this. And if we, the amount of energy and purpose and expectation and responsibility we put on a church service was here, and home just kind of rose, kept rising as we spoke about it, but actually it's got to be at least the same, hasn't it? And then it went further and further where home rose right to the top, that that is the primary place of discipleship. And so that, that's, that's changing, that changed the way I thought about church. I mean, you know, I've, I've been so invested on what happens on a Sunday, but I reckon we've put way too much pressure in our nation of what happens on a Sunday for the church. And, and quite often people would say, we're going to church. Well, no, 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 you, you are the church. We are the church. And primarily that's out of your home. And so whatever home looks like, um, whether, whether you're married, not married, whether you've got kids or not kids, whether you've got um, people that you invite into your home with hospitality, um, with your marriage, it said there's a lot we'll unpack, but there's so much significance in what happens out of our homes. 
And so to enlarge that and to spread out the influence of our home, I think, is really, really significant. Yep, Jeff, some thoughts in that space? Yeah, it, it's kind of like coming to grips with the bleeding obvious, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's like, here's Huey, Dewey and Louie up here. Although Andrew did put in our notes today three monkeys. Three monkeys. I don't know if you can see that. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak yep. no evil. Hopefully we don't do that. Three yep. monkeys. Larry, Moe and Curly. Yeah, yeah, yep. whatever way you want to look at um, it. We've been know, called a few things. Yeah. Few things. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's like, re really? The last six or seven months they've been praying and they've been <laughs> discerning and they've been speaking and, and what they've come up with is be others focused. <laughs> Um, discipleship is central <laughs> and, and our homes are really important. It's like, come on. Um, but but yeah. it is. It, it, it's like it's been an exercise in rediscovering the bleeding obvious. And, and I think in some ways that's really confirming and it's quite confronting when you realise that other things have potentially got in the way yeah. of those really, um, I, won't, I won't say basic, but really foundational um, notions of what it means to be followers of, of Jesus. It's an others-focused life. It's a life of discipleship, and and our and our homes and our and our families um, matter. And I think I think for us, as we've spoken about it, and and we've kind of gone, our homes matter more than the Sunday gathering. Yep. Um, you kind of intuitively know it, but as three pastors to say that out loud and kind of nod to each other. Our, our homes and our families, they, they matter more in our discipleship journey and, and, and in, our, in our spiritual life. This place, that, that is potentially more potent, more important. That's, that doesn't diminish the Sunday gathering in any way, but like Kev says, it really elevates mm. our homes, our families. Yeah, so this morning we want to unpack a few areas linked to the home that that you may be able to resonate with. Now, not everyone will resonate with all of these because not everyone is married and not everyone has children and maybe some people even live on their own. But what we want to do is unpack a few things. And so the first Before thing... Before we do that, yeah. can I just throw something else in the mix? Sure. Um, because I think it proves what you were just saying or what we're just saying about the home. So I was talking before, like, who would have thought that this year, like if we sat around in August when we were talking about this, okay, let's, let's not meet for six months. Let's just make a decision that we're not going to meet for six months as a church and we'll just see what happens. I mean, I think, I think maybe our elders would have fired us for starters, but that's what we did. Now, it wasn't our decision. And what happened when the church didn't meet? What happened? Yeah. The church was alive and well. We have a core belief that Jesus is building his church, which is a core belief. But what happened is that people, you went straight to having influence out of your homes. That's what happened. Took the gathering away and the church flourished in our homes. So for us, for example, the, the relationships we have with our neighbours now are heaps different than what they were a year ago. Because even in the middle of COVID, we had driveway drinks on a Sunday afternoon. What a great way to connect with your neighbours. Changed our relationships. How many people, this, I'm preaching to the converted, 
gathering goes away and you're actually on the front foot connecting with your neighbours going, what do you need? There's been letterbox drops and text messages that go, just whatever you need, whether it's toilet paper. Remember that? That seems a long time ago. Whatever you need, let's be the solution. Let's be an influencer. Let's have, let's have mission out of our homes. That's what happened when the church didn't meet together on a Sunday. It's powerful. So we've got to pay attention to that. Sorry. And and it's great when we go back to Scripture, particularly in the book of Acts, that's what we see. (laughs) That's what happened. Anyway. So we're going to talk about a few things that that happen inside the home. The first thing I want to bring attention to as a a discipleship, not only environment, but probably a key discipleship relationship is marriage. So for those who are married, I'd love you to listen to this. And for those who are not yet married and and want to be, can you listen to this as well? And for those who are young and maybe one day will be married, can you listen to this as well? Okay, I can see four girls in a row sitting there that I think need to listen very carefully. All right. Was this a setup? No, but it's very convenient, isn't it? (laughs) Can I just show you, actually, before I, I show you this quote, one of the things um, we had planned for this year before COVID interrupted was to provide a retreat that people could go to where you could get a really good biblical understanding of what marriage is in the context of discipleship. And so marriage in God's design, if we look at the biblical understanding of it, one of the best things that marriage does is put someone else in your space who's different to you, who helps you become more like the person of Jesus. Let's look at this quote from Kathy Keller. She says, Christian marriage is an apologetic vehicle that is a visible window into the character and life of Christ, his work and his salvation, and something which could astonish the world if we were to do it right. Basically what she's saying is, when people live in a marriage covenant relationship with one another as the Bible describes and they are intent on bringing the best out in their spouse, what is visible in that relationship is the character and nature of Jesus. A good marriage is the best evangelistic tool you could have to show people what Jesus is like. And that happens in the home. And a marriage often is the precursor to other key relationships and other discipleship environments. It is absolutely essential that as followers of Jesus, we understand how he has elevated marriage to this point where beside our relationship with God is probably the key human relationship that the Bible describes. Now, not everyone will be married. You can just go to the Bible and we look at the person of Paul. A mighty apostle did awesome things for God and even in one of his letters actually wrote... You know, I wish you were like me and not married because then you could spend more time just devoted to God. You don't have someone that you've got to, you know, care for and look after and do all those Careful. things as well. Careful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but in this space, as a discipleship environment in the home, if you are married or will be one day, can I encourage you to just really consider what a marriage in the eyes of God really is and what it calls us to. And what it calls us to, you know, you think of the fruits of the Spirit. You think of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all these things. 
What other avenue can I think of, and I can't think of another one better than to put someone in your space where you have to practice those things? Because that other someone in your space will do things that make you want to be impatient and upset and, and other things at times, but marriage is this beautiful thing. Let's look at what Paul writes to the letter in, to, uh, to the church in Ephesus in his letter. Look at this. You may have heard this at many weddings. He says, Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives likewise should submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. Now, whenever I've read this passage at a wedding, the word submit <laughs> is a word that just, oh, some people just, you can see them physically react to that. But we've got to look at the context of what's being said here. When I look at the person of Jesus Christ, he willingly defers himself, submits to the will of the Father. He's not less than the Father, but in the relationship he willingly submits, even to becoming, as that beautiful passage in Philippians 2, becoming part of his own creation and dying a horrific death on the cross. Jesus models what it's like to submit but Jesus also models what it's like to lead and to serve. And so when we read this, that you know, wives have this, this call to love their husbands in, in such a way that honours his, his leadership, his leadership is such that he has to die for her, just as Christ did for the church. The bigger call is actually on the man. He has to give up his life for his wife. That's a big call. And in the context of discipleship, this is something that, that really can just point people to the character and nature of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Any, any thoughts on that? Well, it's just huge, isn't it? Like that's a lifelong challenge there. And for us to understand the point that you made that potentially marriage could be one of our most greatest evangelistic tools that we can have when we live like that. Now, we're not going to live like that all the time, thanks to God's grace, but that's the picture, that's the model. And he, here's what I've kind of noticed, that unfortunately in our culture, I'm speaking generically, but I think this is true, that with whatever busyness, craziness is going on in life, we neglect our marriages and we can neglect our parenting and we can, can neglect things that happen in our homes. Thanks all of us, from, from kids at school and, and youth in the busyness, we, we can all kind of take our eyes off that because we're so consumed in other stuff. What we're doing in work or volunteering, what we're passionate about, whatever, 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 that we can neglect some of the really key things that are meant to be foundational and done first in the home. Some thoughts around that? Yeah, I, th I think it's the, the, the sadness that comes with recognising that marriage in the church does not really seem to be in better shape than marriage outside of the church. And, and I, don't think it, I don't think it's any easier in, 
in, in the church. I think it comes with its, potentially with its own sets of difficulties and, and, and challenges. Um, but, you know, we, we align ourselves and are grafted into the family of God and our God has an incredibly high view of, of marriage and, and the Bible uh, speaks quite explicitly about it. And so, you know, it should, it should grieve us deeply and I'm sure it does. Um, when, when we see that there, there doesn't really seem to be evidence in the church that we necessarily do a better job of it. And I just want to highlight God's grace in that too because we have people in this room watching online at Bensville who, whose experience in marriage has not been a good one. And, and they've seen and there have been children in homes where marriage is broken down. Um, we understand all that and God's grace covers that. That's the beautiful thing of living in this age of, of being a Jesus follower with the Holy Spirit um, dwelling in us. So we know this is not an easy topic, and for some people this is really hard to hear, but, but we will not shy away from it because it is a key discipleship environment in the life of people who follow yep. Jesus. Yep. And we need to be willing to put the work in um, to, to, to move into those healthy uh, environments in that space. Now, something that often flows out of marriage is, is children. Um, Jeff, do you want to share? Or Kev, who's sharing this one? Yeah, we'll yeah. share some thoughts on that. Yeah. But before I go, I mean, I think your encouragement at the start was right, that whatever season of life you're in, whether you're yet to be married, whether you are married, whether you've been divorced, whether you're in an, another marriage, or whether whether you're, you're past marriage and you go, actually, I don't want to do that again, and you can encourage people in their marriages... Either way, that's the picture. That's the picture. And God gives us a vision for what marriage looks like in whatever season. So it's important for us to have that vision. Um, obviously, parenting is, is a major thing that happens in a, in a home space. And so can I just encourage you, for those of you that are parents, or maybe, again, yet to be parents or grandparents, um, that as parents, we actually embrace the responsibility of raising our kids as the primary influencers and disciple makers in our home. That's me for my kids. That's you for your kids. Now, if I'm honest, I reckon I've let some thinking slip into my thoughts where I've delegated some of that to other people. It's not right. I think we can actually delegate some of that. If you know, if we actually want to send my kids to a good school or even a Christian school, not that you need to do that, but plenty of us do, or actually my kids are part of a kids program at church or a youth program on a Friday night, and so they're getting that good stuff there. That, that's a bonus. That's, that's like something on top. We need to make sure that we don't delegate our parenting responsibilities, especially when it comes to discipleship. Check this out in Ephesians 6, same, same kind of space that Andrew was sharing from. It says fathers, but if you look at footnotes, that talks about parents. So don't just, it's not just dads. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. There is a call for us to make sure that what happens in our home with our parentings is we embrace that as our responsibility totally and have intention in it, intentionality and strategies for that and conversation about that. And it isn't as you go with your kids. There's lots of ways we can do that, but we can't delegate that. It starts at the home. You know, disciple-making starts in your home. And we want to embrace that completely. When I was uh, teaching... 
uh, a while ago, I would often have conversations with students. Um, I was teaching at Greenpoint Christian College and, and I'd often ask students as I got to know them a bit, you know, why are you at this school? And it was not uncommon to hear the, the, the response, um, and, and these are kids from non-Christian families, uh, you know, mum and dad or mum or dad, whatever the situation was, um, just wanted to put me in a school where I'd learn some good morals and values. And there's that delegation that, that you're talking about. It's nearly like, um, I'm not going to take responsibility for that as a parent. I'm going to put them into something and let someone else do that. Um, we can't afford to do that. Or maybe even a thought as a parent, maybe, maybe I'm not qualified or good enough to actually install those values in my kids. I want to say you've got what it takes. As, as parents, God, I mean, God trusts you with people in your world. My goodness. You've got what it takes to be the primary disciple maker of your kids. Yeah. And, and we're working it out together. And we're working it out in community. Yeah, that's right. That's the beauty of being in a church family. So just before this verse, kids, there's something I want you to listen to now. <laughs> there are three verses that appeared just before this one. Let's have a look at what it says. It says, children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honour your father and mother is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it, namely, so you will live well and have a long life. That's a good promise. That is a good promise. promise. Yep. So kids, (laughs) here's this thing. Hang on, Um, why is there a chuckle in the room about that verse? uh, It's funny, isn't it? it? It's because of the alternative, the short life. (laughs) The short (laughs) life. No, that's right. And there's a tension in this, you know, there's a tension in, you know, at some point when kids are young, they will pretty much do what their parents tell them and then, then they get a certain age and I won't put a number on that age, but there comes a point when the, the desire to be independent starts to rear its head and all of a sudden what mum and dad think doesn't seem that important and I want to start to do things my own way. Um, And that happens possibly through the teenage years. And then at some point, usually in the early 20s, maybe a bit later for some, you realise, oh, mum and dad were actually pretty spot on with most things. And there's this full circle that that sort of seems to happen. Um, But we just want to pay attention. Children, if you're tuning into this, if you're watching, if you're in the room, um, there is something honouring to God when we obey our parents. And I know we could go down a path where there are situations where, where that could have some unhealth to it. But just as a general rule, we're just saying, children, it is good to listen to and obey your parents. Um, and when we are particularly in, in that Christian um, world, that worldview where parents are trying to disciple their children, our parents generally are, are saying things to their children which will be good for them. You know, just like God's commands to us, they, we mightn't like them all the time, but they are good for us. You know, a, a, a yard that has a fence around it where you know the limits of your boundaries is good for you. It's good for us as human beings. And we want to provide that for our children as well. Yep. But beyond the immediate nuclear family, Jeff, we can have a wider scope with family, people we live with, housemates, whether we're related to them or not. What are some things we need to pay attention to there? Yeah, and, and I think it's, kind of, it's still kind of linked with this idea in some ways about children honouring 
you know, your, your, your parents as we start to think about this broader family that, that we're a part of. Um, for, for whatever reason, God has chosen to reveal, to reveal himself to us as family. So God has revealed himself to us as father and son and spirit as the bond of love between father and son. And we see in scripture that even fa the father in scripture, um, we, we see elements of that being a paternal and a maternal mm. picture in scripture. So God has revealed himself to us as family. And we also see in scripture that, that God um, has a house. The house has many rooms. Um, and that we are even yeah, in, invited to be part of that household. And so we see this imagery that, that we, we have been adopted um, into, the, into the family of God. John 1.12 says, All who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And Ephesians 2.19 says, You're no longer strangers and, for and foreigners, but fellow citizens with all the saints and members of the household of God. And so this idea of family and household is probably the chief way that we understand um, the, the kind of the social and the relational dynamic of the kingdom of God. We're, we're children. We are brothers and sisters with Christ um, in the family of God and, and in his household. So it's, it's interesting then that our homes, our household, kind of become the place of qualification for, for leading in the kingdom of God. I don't know if we've got those Timothy and Titus things there. So, so you remember this, like Paul um, has these two protégés, Timothy and Titus, and he is equipping them to go out and, and appoint leaders in the church. And he's giving them a whole bunch of... Um, qualifications, job job criteria, as they go to go out and, and appoint elders. And isn't it fascinating that the place they are to look for those qualifications and criteria is in their homes? It's in their household. That's the primary place. He said, "This is this is how you're going to know if these people are actually in the house, if they're actually in 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 the family of God. Um, you know, they're going to be uh, people." someone who is faithful to his wife, blameless, that their children believe, the children aren't wild or disobedient. They'll be blameless, they won't be overbearing or quick-tempered, they're not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Um, and so if we here are all of these qualifications. Interesting, um, hospitable, enjoy having guests. Uh, all of these, this is, these are the criteria that Paul is giving Timothy and Titus for people who are going to be leaders in the in in the church, and and they're not qualifications or expertise in the workplace. It's stuff in our homes, and I think that's really interesting because this primary model of of relating with one another is family, is home. And we talked a few weeks ago in a, in a sermon around that idea of in the home. It's quite often the place where. You, you let your hair down, you can yep. fully be yourself and sometimes yourself is not what you would want to portray to others. Um, we do it to the people we live with but we wouldn't do it in our workplace or we wouldn't do it yep. with a stranger we get coffee from. And so these things are really important because mm -hmm. this is where we truly reveal who we are. Uh, and, and also if you want to flick on to the next one, I think it's Romans 
Uh, and so we've spent a lot of time talking about this idea of um, of the evidence of discipleship is loving one another. Uh, and, and the first place we ought to be seeing that evidence is, is in our own home. But of course, as brothers and sisters in Christ, then that overflows to one another. Um, it's interesting, you know, where Paul writes here, don't just pretend. Don't just pretend to, to love others, really love them. Hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honouring one another. He goes on and says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And so it's almost like this idea of spreading out your home, practice hospitality, graft your brothers and sisters into the household, you know, into the character and into the culture of, of the household of God. Um, it's the spreading out of the house because his house has many rooms. Look at the, the next one in Ephesians 5. What version have you got? I'm going to read from what I've got. I think it's the same. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. So it's because we are the children of God that we imitate the Father. Like, I, I, I don't know about you. Like, I, I imagine the McGuinness girls have a reputation um, on your street. I imagine the Sheehan kids have got, have got a reputation in Blue Crane Crescent. Um, there is a reputation. <laughs> we, we should have a reputation as the kids of God in our street. No, there should be the culture of our household being sons and daughters of Yahweh, brothers and sisters of Christ. There should be a culture within our household that over, overflows with, within our, our context. Um. It's good. Love <laughs> it. Yes, amen. Yeah. yeah. So wrapping all that up, and that's just a few things about doing life together out of the home, being the church... You know, shifting our ideas from coming to a building for a service once a week for an hour, calling that church, to actually being the church out of our home. What are some final thoughts around that? Well, it's going to look different as we continue to navigate forward. It will. I mean, for us to go, actually, we in our homes, we want to personally engage and follow Jesus personally. So, so we do that in lots of ways. And then we gather together as the church so that we can have an influence out of our homes, in our workplaces. But let's just stay at homes for the moment. It will look different. I actually believe that the growth in the church in Australia, we're going to see that happen in people's homes, not in buildings. We're going to see it as you and I have the courage to kind of understand and rethink what church looks like. You are the church. You are the church primarily in your home and we want to embrace marriage and parenting and hospitality, invite people in. We want to have an influence in our extended families. But then we want that to overflow and invite people into our homes. That's why I'm totally excited about home groups but also home churches and home churches with a definition of us. Plenty of people who have a conviction to go, you know what? I'm going to open up my house once a week or once a fortnight, whatever it is, for the purpose of people in my neighbourhood, for example, or relationships that I have that don't have a faith yet. 
And I want to create a space that's safe and welcoming. It says, hey, we're going to be chatting about some faith things. Would you be interested in joining us? And just have people step into homes mm -hmm. to explore faith. There's such a big barrier. I reckon in Australia, when someone says, hey, do you want to come to church with yeah, me? That's right. Like, we're not seeing many people step into that. Yet if you have the courage to open your home and say, hey, do you want to come around on Sunday afternoon? I'd love to just chat faith with you. We're going to see people step into that place. And so I'm really excited about it. But it's got to be more than a vision. It's got to be more than a picture. It's got to be more than excitement and passion. It's going to take us to actually create those spaces and understand that we gather so that we're equipped to do things like that. It's a completely different way to think about it. It sounds subtle. These guys have been discerning this and all they've come up with is these couple of things. It changes everything. And I want us to be a community of people that have got the courage and the boldness and the willingness to do it so we see other people step into the family of God. We have to be doing this. And I believe that we can. There's many people in our church right now that can be doing this to model what that looks like. Let's do it. Let's do it. It changes and sure, I want to, want to see us embracing mm. family and parenting, but opening up our homes. Yep. Mm. Anyway, I'm right. look, and I'm looking forward to um, Celebration Sunday, where not only we'll see people baptised, but we're going to see people prayed for and commissioned who are stepping into doing mm. some of that home church space. Mm. Final thoughts? Right at the start of the year, we did a series on hospitality before COVID. Yeah, we did, didn't that? we? Yep. Um, and there, there was one, there was a book that I read during that time and I, I quoted out of it. The book, the book was by Rosaria Butterfield and the book was called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And this was a quote out of it. Let God use your home, apartment, dorm room, front yard, community gymnasium or garden for the purpose of making strangers into neighbours and neighbours into family. That's cool. Absolutely. Amen to that. Mm. Let me pray for that. Would you join me? Mm. So, Father God, I thank you for the fact that you call us to be the church. And I thank you that the church's mission in our world is to be disciples who make disciples. And I thank you that we can do that by being others-focused. And in the middle of all that, we, we spend a large amount of our lives in our homes inviting people into that relationship. So I pray that as your church, as Coast Community Church, you would give us not only the vision, but you would empower us, you would encourage us, you would equip us to be people who invite others in so that they can see you, so that they can meet with you, so that they can see your character and your nature in such a way that their response is, I want to be in relationship with Jesus. Lord, for those who, who are married, who are raising children, for those who are children, who have siblings, for all the dynamics we've talked about today, we pray that what happens in our walls and under our roofs brings glory and honour to you. We pray that you would use these environments as discipleship environments in such a way that we would be able to say, Jesus, you are honoured in our home, you are visible in our home, and, and people are stepping into those spaces and seeing you and knowing you and coming into relationship with you. That's our prayer. That's our, 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 our vision from you. So would you be at work in that space for your glory? Amen.